Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this week's edition of the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Gavin Berry and today I'm delighted to say once again I'm joined by Record Sports Andy Newport and Sunday Mail Chief Football Writer Scott McDermott. It may be an international break, no games, but there's plenty to talk about, Andy, isn't there? Oh yes. <laughs> it's all been heating up this week. What's that? It's all been heating up this week. Well, that's what I was going to say. First of all, I mean, if there is a week you want to make a point and protest and you're a group of fans that want to make a point, an international break is the week to do it, is it not? I mean, it, well, in fact, I was going to say an international week, an international friendly week. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's when you're going to get the most oxygen. So, well, let's start Start Club 1872 on Monday, release a statement Um Sorry, Monday or Tuesday? I'm losing track of days now. Where are we? Thursday? Was it Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday, sorry, my apologies. It was Tuesday. I'm getting my days mixed up. It was Tuesday. Club 1872 released a statement, a thousand words long, basically savaging the Rangers board, naming individuals, um, managing director Stuart Robertson, Head of Communications, David Graham, Commercial Chief, James Bisgrove, said there was a concerted campaign, smears and lies from individuals very close to the club uh, to forcibly remove Club 1872 directors. Uh, So as I say, we've all read it. We've all read it. This was on Tuesday. Uh, The club hit back themselves talking about a small rump of fans, which I'm sure would have angered many. Um, first of all, first of all, I think it's probably important to... Well, let's let's start, Andy, with the, the friendly in Australia, because you were at Dens Park. There was obviously a protest against this from the fans. The game was halted three times, tennis balls, toilet rolls. Um is it important, do you think, to differentiate between fans protesting against the friendly in Australia against Celtic and the Club 1872 statement? Um, yeah, because frankly, Club 1872, I've got a bit of a patchy reputation um, amongst the supporter base. Um, you'll probably find as many people that. Uh, Agree with them in and how the, that organisation run, and you'll find as many people are upset with it. And there's obviously been issues there uh, for the last sort of year or two. Um, I mean, the, the fact is that I think almost universally, um, I've certainly not met any Rangers fans, um, or even Celtic fans for that matter, that are happy about this this situation. Um, I think both clubs. Uh, I seem to really have read the room uh, 
wildly uh, from where from where the the feeling is. Um, and yeah, I mean the the scenes at Dens Park where I think what will be concerning for the board is that there doesn't seem to be any sign yet that this is dying down. If anything, it's it's getting worse. You obviously, yeah. you had the game being disrupted. Um, I'm not entirely sure how wise that was, uh, given the situation uh, the team is in in the, the title race. You know, they, were, they, they started the game Saturday six points behind Celtic. The, the goal difference is huge, so it's effectively seven points behind. Yeah. Um, you know, the second time the, the tennis balls came on was just after Dundee's score. And, you know, Rangers are looking to get back on track. Yeah. The last thing they need, really, is these interruptions. Um, you saw it start the second half when the the ticker tape, the ball crawl came back on again. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw Alan McGregor wasn't happy. Uh, I think Conor Goldson was another one of the players on the pitch. You could see sort of shaking his head and looking at the looking at the the punters behind uh, McGregor's goal. Mm-hmm. And Bronkers could be seen mouthing a, a couple of uh, sweary words yeah. through the hand as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, th- this is. I said in my piece the other day that it's it's hard to believe. In a season where there's so much at stake for Rangers, you know, if, if the Rangers can, you know, somehow find a way to win the league, yeah, win the win the Europa League, this would be good down as, you know, probably the best season of Rangers' entire history. And yet, off the park, the punters, the board are each other's throats. I mean, it, it just seems hard to believe. And, it, and you throw it in the mix, this is also the hundredth, fiftieth anniversary season as well. So, it, it just seems hard to believe that they've got to this point so soon after. Mm-hmm. As we all saw back in May, the, the joy, the you know the, that feeling of relief that the club was back where they felt it should belong. That they'd won a title after so long. They'd ended Celtic stranglehold. At that point, it really did look like the club was a united front. And then fast forward sort of seven eight months, and and uh, it's fractured again. And you know, I think that'll be the concern: is how is that feel good factor been allowed just to dissipate so quickly? And it's not even like. They're out of the title race. It's not as if this is a knee-jerk reaction because the team is imploded. They've got yeah. nothing left to play for. There's yeah. huge amounts for this team to play for. Yeah. And yet they're allowing the off-the-field ructions to sort of... And it is, it is now you know disrupting the team because you saw that. You saw the reactions at Dens Park. The players, the management weren't happy with this. But this all stems from the fact the club have made this decision yeah. this game in Australia which, you know, seems to be a real long goal. As, long as, as, as much as there are, there's bigger issues, of course, right? Club 18 to 72 cover a, a range of issues, you know, a real yeah. big, big picture, right? But ultimately, Andy's right. The, the crux of the matter is this Australian friendly. That This is what has ignited these protests yeah. at, at this time in the season. And that's what makes it even more astonishing that the Rangers board as a collective... Um, first of all, agreed to the uh, to the friendly in Australia. Thought it was a good idea. Now we know financially it's beneficial, but yeah. how how they believed that it was going to go down well with the support and no, there wasn't going to be a problem with it. That to me shows the real lack of connection, lack of understanding, lack of proper engagement between the board and the and the fans, and for them to. No, for them to agree to this and think it was a good idea, knowing that it was going to come out at this specific time, when as Andy says, they're in the midst of a, a neck-neck title race, they're still going for the Scottish Cup, they're in the quarter-finals of the Europa League. I mean, yeah. 
how they thought or how anybody in that boardroom believed this was this was going to be good. I mean, for that alone, heads should probably should probably roll. Yeah, and that's the problem, Andy, is that because I, I'm on, I'm going to say the ordinary Rangers fans. That's probably not right, but I, I'm you know there'll be a lot of punters who don't agree with Club 1872 and some of the statements that they've come out with. But many of those punters will be angry at the friendly and they're therefore now siding with them over their statement. Do you think Club 1872 just spotted an opportunity to really muddy the waters and and, and get at them? No. We all know that the Club 1872's relationship with the club... It's not great. In fact, it's it's, it's pretty awful at the moment. Um, yeah. They've obviously said they they've decided to throw the lot in with, with Dave King. Dave King is still sort of standing the sidelines, chucking these wee grenades every yeah. now and again. We saw yesterday. I mean, that was just sheer opportunism for him yesterday, just to suggest, oh, I'll I'll pay for the yeah. <laughs> you know, withdraw withdraw from the the friendly, and, I, and I'll I'll put the cash up. Um, the, the fact is that I think. This this maybe goes to show just how far away Club eighteen seventy two form from what really should be their remit. They should be, you know, standing up and you know making their voice known and, and having because they are a, a significant shareholder in the club. Um, they they should be having their say in these sort of matters more often. But because of the sort of internal politics that they're going through at the moment and the sort of lack of trust that um, a lot of fans have, have now feel that. They have in that organisation. They've not been able to make their point. So, and even that is is sort of you know diluted the impact of uh, what Club eighteen seventy two were saying this week. You, you see a lot of the responses to their tweets. You look in the message board, and the a lot of the fans are saying because of the figures and the politics and the stuff behind the scenes there, they're, they're accusing Club eighteen seventy two of you know opportunism. I mean, really, I mean, somebody had to come out on behalf of the supporter base and make the feelings known, especially in this this Australia thing, because the punters aren't happy. If it's not addressed, these protests are just going to keep on ramping up, ramping up. And, you know, at the point of the season, Rangers really do need to be united. If they've got genuine ambitions of reigning back in Celtic, of going along in the Europa League, perhaps even winning the tournament, they cannot have any dissent. And, you know, if, if if this carries on, then it's it's going to be get to the stage where it's going to have an impact on the team. You know, thing I think it's worth mentioning. You touched on it, and you said you no know, ordinary punters. Yeah. I think you're right, and that's the thing I think we often forget is that there are thousands of Rangers fans out there, tens of thousands. I would I would argue who aren't in Club eighteen seventy two, aren't vocal on social media, whether it's follow follow, heart hand, Twitter, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Just ordinary Rangers fans that want to go to games, see the mm-hmm. team, they're not interested in the politics, yeah. what's going on at boardroom level. No, of course, they want to see the club run properly. And of course, something like the friendly coming up, you know, as Andy says, you know, the vast, vast majority of them won't be happy. But you just go to feel for the ordinary fans. As I say, I think there's thousands of them out there that you know, don't want to get involved in the politics, aren't interested in this battle with Club 1872 and King V Park and stuff like that. It's those people that you feel really sorry for because they're sitting, you know, watching their team, as I say, in the midst of this title race, desperate for them to go and win the league. 
and potentially you know win a European European trophy. And there are there are these distractions and disruptions, and even just watching the Dundee game, you no, know, at, at the weekend. I mean, fans, of course, have every right to, to protest, and, and as we've all said, you no, know, we understand why they're why they're doing it because it's a it's a bad idea for the club. But yeah. that's just that's just not a good look at all. It's not doing the club. It's not doing the team any good. It's not doing Van Bronckhurst any good. Oh. Um, it's it's a it's a bit of a mess. And you're right, and that's where the statement from the, the Rangers responding, we knew they were responding to Club 1872, but, I mean, t- to ordinary people, they could take a great offence to that. Using quotation marks, you know, yeah. around the word supporters, and yeah. you know, talking about you know, Rangers saying they'll, they'll, they'll take care of them at the end of the season, or they'll get them yeah. at the end of the season. I mean, the, the language that was used was... So so well advised for me, and again, just highlighted again the, the lack of connection, lack of engagement, lack of understanding between the club's hierarchy and the, and the supporters, and that just shouldn't be happening. That's why I made the point to Andy earlier about differentiating, because you could have been somebody who protested against the friendly at Dens Park on Sunday, but had no interest in Club 1872. You might not even like Club 1872 or what they stand for. Um what would have taken offence to that statement because you thought the statement was having a go at them, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I agree with Scott. I mean, the the statement really, you know, you you, you would have thought the club had been trying to, you know, douse the flames of anger and, yeah. you know, calm things down. If anything, that, that statement just made things 10 times worse. So, um, you know, again, this soon comes back to, you know, it seems like the club's sort of, you know, you know, if it's not trying to pick a fight, it's certainly not, you know, walking away from one when at a time when really they should be, again, as I say, a united front. You know, they don't. The statement says that we, 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 we need. It's all about what's happening on the pitch. Yeah, Yet at the same time, they're having a pop at their a section of their own support. Um, which just doesn't make sense to me. And again, I just wonder what Giovan Bronkers is, is thinking about this. This just seems yeah. to me to be the absolutely the worst sort of thing that could happen. I just think it's totally unnecessary. First of all, no no club, any club, any big club in their right mind picks fights with its own supporters. I mean, it's just no, it's suicidal for, for a club's point of view. I mean, no, the, the fans, I know it's cliched, but I mean, they're the lifeblood of the club. They're the ones pumping money in on season tickets every year whatever whatever and, is that old and by the way think how much money Rangers fans sorry to cut you off there but I mean just think of the amount of money with their various schemes and oh unbelievable Rangers fans are uh, and some and by the way the, the my jails and everything else is hugely criticised you know the way yeah. to be grading fans and not getting enough you know fans not getting enough tickets and different things sorry so I mean I was just going to say behind closed doors as a board whether you agree with protests or whether you agree with you no know, fan statements, I mean the last the last thing you do, as Andy says, is throw petrol in the fire and start going start going toe to toe with them. I mean, to me that's just absolute absolute folly. But as Andy said, or as Andy touched on, no, unfortunately this Rangers regime, you no, know, for some reason since they kind of got back, no, any kind of position of strength. Wow. No, after everything that happened, and yeah. listen, agree or disagree, Rangers quite rightly felt aggrieved about a lot of things that have happened in the past, and 
no, that you can't argue with. But I think this board and this regime made a conscious decision when they got back to the top. Uh, the, the decision to make whether to go and try and you know, build bridges with, with, with people, whether it be authorities, media, fans, whoever. Or or it was a case of, you know, it's, it's our way or the highway and that's and I think that's the route they've gone down. And it's a, I think it's a it's a dangerous game, especially I see you can probably get away with, with the media, even with authorities, but when you start picking fights with your own supporters, then I, th- I think it I think it only goes one way. Andy, I mean, no game this weekend, obviously, which is probably quite a good thing <laughs> just to let things die down a bit. However, there is this uh, friendly to celebrate the 150th anniversary and, you know, the stars from all over the world of football and plus, you know, Rangers legends that are going to play. So, you know, it's looks like a great occasion. There'll be a lot of, probably a family occasion, lots of kids going maybe for the first time. Yeah, but who knows, you know, events around about the around the stadium and all that. What do you think in terms of that? Will, will protesters give that a mess? Is it a different type of supporter yeah. that's going to go along to that? Do you think they would use that or, or, or are all bets off? I mean, is it just a case of let's make a point? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Will the union bears be there? And I mean, they seem to have been sort of all leading these protests to an to extent. Will they still be there in their, their usual slot in, the, in front of the... Probably. The room one? Um, if they are, you, know, you, you, you can't, you can't um, really off because it's effectively, you know, as I said, week by week, if you, you look back to the the banners at the a couple of banners at the St Johnston game, and then so two two games at Dundee, I mean, the, the protests have been getting louder, they've been getting noisier, they've get they get more disruptive. So, you know, it's generally been away from the way the way support that's been leading it. Um, you know. The, this is obviously a friendly game. It's probably not the season ticket. Yeah, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a sort of mixed bunch of you know regulars and guys who are just there to you know get a chance to you know look at some players that they've not seen for a, a long time. So yeah, the house. Not sure who knows, but um, it wouldn't surprise me because the strength I feeling is just so deep rooted that the punters are not having this game at all. Uh, I think we all understand that the club are, are trying. Anyway, they can't get out of it. I think there is a, an acceptance that they've made a mistake and they're trying to explore avenues which would allow them to back out of it. But whether or not they can, whether or not they, they can without having to pay a, a hefty sum it remains to be seen. But um, it's, it's just been a, it's been a huge mistake. I mean, the, the, you know, folly's a, a good word by, by Scott. I think it sums it up. That this is a, it's absolutely backfired on them. And the only ones are really hurting themselves because one way or another it's going to cost the club. If if, if they take part and they bank the three million quid that they're going to get, they're going to lose a lot of uh, trust from the supporter base. If they withdraw, it's likely to come with a financial penalty. So as a mistake, it's just, it's just been pretty much massive. Yeah. Right, last word on this, and then we'll move on to football matters. But you mentioned Dave King earlier, you, you know, he spotted an opportunity, but he, he has been in and around in the background. Well, I say the background, he, you know, he's been, he's been throwing in the odd statement and said he wanted back on the board recently. He stepped down. Well, he announced he was stepping down in 2019. Is that right? At AGM 2019, then he stepped down in March 2020, handed over to Douglas Park. Why? Does he want back in? But why is he? What, what, what is? What, what are his motives, Andy? 
I think we all know that he's he's, he's keen to uh, get his, uh, sell his shares and recoup the money he's invested in the club, mm-hmm. whether he feels that by being on the board would allow him uh, you know, better avenue to, 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 to fulfil that wish, uh, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, I, I'm not entirely, I would be surprised if he was looking to start investing the club again, as I understand that he's not invested any significant sums in the clubs for, for a number of years now. Um, and the one thing's for, for, for certain is that the current regime do not want him back. Um, so, you know, he, he can sit there and he can make these uh, all these claims and these statements they want, but it doesn't look like the current board are going to be uh, welcomed with open arms anytime soon. So, again, it just leads into this distraction. You know, even before the, the Club 1872 stuff, even before the... The Sydney Super Cup stuff, you know, you'd already had Dave King, as you said, Gav, sort of sitting in the sidelines, sniping away at the current board. Again, it was just unnecessary. It's, it's not club. Why? Why so better? Why? No, why did it? Why did it Why? Why would you not? Know, Dave King play a part and let him get involved again. If that's what, if that's what. Once you talk about one of the guys that. That effectively saved the club. Why did he? I think there's a feeling that. He withdrew his financial support uh-huh. at the time when the club and left other shareholders effectively. To, right. okay. So I, okay. I, think, I think it stems back to that. Right, okay, okay. Right, okay, well, moving on. I think he's covered that uh, very well, guys. Um, so on the part, as we said, well, friendly this week, then, um, well, it's a big one, isn't it? It's Celtic at Ibrox. Um which kicks off a huge April. I mean, it's a it's an absolutely massive month uh, with so many. I mean, you've got the semi final, you've got Braga and the Europa League quarterfinals. Huge games coming thick and fast. I mean, first of all, I'm surprised. I must admit, I, personally, I was surprised that there was even much of a debate around it. But I noticed Barry Ferguson said that you know the league would be it was the priority for him. I mean, what about for you two, Europa League or, or, or Scottish Premiership, if you were? If I don't think it's a case of saying priority, Gavin. I, I keep hearing this, but to me, the, the question only becomes relevant if it comes to the point where in the same week you've got a Europa League final and a title decider. No, what, what one would you rather, what one would you rather take? And, mean, hypothetically, if you were yeah, offered one or the other now, what would you take? It's a no-brainer. I mean, it's got to be the Europa League final. I mean, it's, it's got to be the Europa League because no, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to win a European, European trophy. No, if it happens, it probably won't happen again in our lifetime. Rangers and Celtic have only came close, what, once, once each? Yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah. Rangers, 93, yeah. In my lifetime, obviously, get as well. Obviously what, as well? At Rangers in 93 with the Champions League, obviously, get close to a European yeah. trophy as well, in my lifetime. Yeah, in 2008 as well? Yeah, in 2008 as well, so that's what I'm saying. So only, only twice they've got close. Yeah. Um, and obviously yeah. Celtic in all three as well. So, I mean, it's so rare. Yeah. It would be so against the odds, given the the way European football is just now. Yeah. So, if it's a straight choice, one or the other, of course, it's got to be a, got to be a European trophy as a complete one-off. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
no, to, to, no, as you say, to prioritise or to try and put your eggs in one basket in terms of going for Europe. That's crazy because no, Rangers are still, I know it's the quarterfinals, but no, yeah. still a million miles away from winning the tournament. I mean, you, yeah. you might still need to get by Braga, Atalanta and Barcelona to go and yeah. win it. I mean, that's a huge, huge ask. Yeah. Um, so it's impossible to prioritise and that's why no, Van Bronckhurst will just be no, so determined that they don't take any focus off the off the league. Um, of course, they've got a brilliant opportunity in Europe, and I think I don't think they could have handpicked a better draw in terms of the quarterfinals and the semi-finals and having second legs at Ibrox. It's exactly the way they'd have, they'd have wanted it. Um, however, if if you if you take your eye off the ball in the league and you end up coming up short in Europe um, and finish the season with nothing, then I think there'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of regret at how they would have lost the league when you consider the points have already dropped and if they drop any more between now and the, the end of the season. Well, that's interesting because Andy, just out of curiosity, I checked the other other day there um, I was looking back with seven league games to go now and I was looking back at the, the, the year that Celtic reached the final in Seville and the, the year that Rangers got to the final in Manchester and just looked at the last seven games. It was very, it was a real contrast. Rangers dropped 10 points in the last uh, seven games that season. Because we remember the games were just, well, they were playing, God, three a week, weren't they, to finish off and all that. Yeah. I mean, the players were just knackered. But if I, when I looked at Seville, uh, Celtic's running Seville, in the last seven league games, uh, actually, they only, they only lost once and they won the other six. Yeah. Um, points must have been dropped early and they must have come from behind to take it to the last day. Obviously, Rangers and Celtic both losing the league on the last day and the seasons that they reached the UEFA final. How much do you think these games, what kind of effect do you think it's going to have? Is it going to catch up on them, the number of games? Assuming they get past Braga or even with the league games around Braga. Or do you think it could give them momentum, maybe the way it happened when Celtic got to Seville? I mean, it's a strange one because previously, let's say, like last season, last couple of seasons, Rangers generally coming off the back of European games have actually been very strong. It's flipped a wee bit this season, um, especially after Christmas. Uh, they started, but obviously, the you know the, the game in uh, in Belgrade, uh, they managed to, to get the result uh, at the weekend there. So. Um, with this Rangers team in general, I always thought that they're better when they're playing week after week. They've got no time to really sit and you know think about too too much. Um, but the difference was this season is that it, it doesn't really seem to be altering the team all that much. Uh, Van Bronckhurst and you just worry about the the the, the, the squad's ability to, to you know go so long into the season playing so many games. Um, they have looked tired at times. When you look at Aribo, really hasn't reached the same heights as he as he did before. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to the African Cup of Nations. You know, Kamara's got a faded out the picture a wee bit. I mean, I suppose it's a boost that you've got Ryan Jack coming back in. He looks like a new player, having been out for so long. But again, you've got to, you know you're asking question about whether or not he can play week after week, given what he's been through the last year. Um, you know, so that, that's just the, the big question mark. You know, as a squad, get the, the strength and depth, the reserves, the energy to to go and you know play a seventy game season. I mean, um, 
and win and continue winning. I mean, they're already, you know, they're, they're sort of hanging on to Celtic at the moment. It's it's three yeah. points and stay with the, with the goal difference. You know, probably looks four, so they're probably going to have to win both old firm games or hope Celtic slip up somewhere else. But mm. it's, it's a tall order. It's really is a tall order. I think. Gav, sorry, I was just going to say, just Andy talking about players. I actually think, um, I think Ramsey is going to be vital between the season. That was the question I was about to ask you. Just when he was talking about leggy players, that was what I was going to say. As much as there's been criticism over the signing and the lack of contribution from Aaron Ramsey, could he actually time his run? Good, honestly, I thought about this on Sunday. I mean. It's not really been spoken about that, but I don't know what Andy thought being at the game, but watching it, I thought Ramsey for the majority of the game on Sunday was absolutely terrific. And I but thought more, you need them more central, you know? I definitely need them more central, I um I, but I, I just thought I thought I just thought Andy was one of the uh, even in the first half when they were poor, mm-hmm. I still thought he was one of the guys that was actually trying to make things happen. No, he was demanding the ball. Yeah. He was trying to his passes were progressive. No, he was trying to make an impact. And then in the second half, I thought it, when Rangers really needed it, I thought he lifted his game yeah. again. No, for a guy, it's yeah. not hundred yeah. percent. But I just thought and it's what I would expect from a guy his calibre, mm-hmm. no having the career he's had. Yeah. He tried to grab the game by Scruffy's neck himself. And it was, and it was yeah. a mud bath. It was a mud bath. It was a a 10-minute spell where mm-hmm. he, and as you say, he stepped up a, not just one level, two or three levels. He had a shot that the keeper palmed away, the header that the, the keeper yeah. saved. Obviously yeah. the goal... You know, yeah. it's easy to go other score, but he was yeah. there, he was in the box, and I think after after he, he did sort of, you could see him start to flag at that point, and yeah, I agree with you, I think, you know, a guy has quality, he should, this is exactly what he was brought here to do, to be yeah. a good player, and, you know, to get Rangers into winning positions, but yeah. again, it comes down to, can he go for 90 minutes, I mean, can he, can he play week after week, I mean, you know, he still played so little football given the, yeah. the time he's been here you know it'll be interesting to see how much he plays uh, over this international break with Wales um, but you know if, if Rangers can get him at a point where he's yeah. playing you know even if it's just an hour but it's an hour every game rather than this and yeah. the team out the team playing an hour here playing 15 minutes there I thought they, I they, need, they, need, they need more out of him because yeah. he's got the quality that could could it would be ironic considering the signing has been sort of scrutinised and criticised if he if he did just turn it on on a few of those games where it mattered, you know, and then massive month as you say, massive month. If Aaron Ramsey turns up at hundred percent, as you say, yeah. times he's run and has a because he's good enough to have a major impact on these games. I don't care yeah. how good Celtic might be or you no know, Braga or whatever. Okay. This guy on his game. No, at his best is good enough to have a huge impact on these games. And I know it was only Dundee at the ends, but no, Andy's saying small things like that run into the box, that late run for the header that the keeper saved. Yeah. Don't have another guy in the team for me who's who's capable of that. No, no. for midfield and I, I don't think anybody's ever doubted that. To be fair, I don't think anybody has doubted that. You know, on his game, he is a cut above. Yeah. You know, it was just, the question mark was always just whether he was fit enough. Yeah, and that's still going to be the question mark, as I say. So it's all right me saying that, that he can have a major impact. He will need to be fit to do it. But as you see, I just wonder whether 
mm. both him and maybe Van Bronckhurst as well, who's seen him behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm not saying has planned it this way, but has maybe thought for the last couple of weeks, listen, mm. see if we can just get you to a certain level. Yeah. You could just no, come good for us at the right time because of these massive games coming up. And I, I don't know what Andy thinks, but if Ramsey's at his best mm-hmm. or Coasty's best, no, get into the, the, these biggest of games like the old firm, like Braga. I would, I think Rangers' best midfield would be Jack Lundstrom and Ramsey. If the three of them, if the three of them are at it. That's good. Um, yeah, I, I think you could then put Aribo out to the right, and that gives you that sort of fills that. Yeah. which has still been an issue at times this season yep. so um, you know, Rangers have to get find a way to get their best players on the park for the big games and get as many of them as they can um, there has been a bit of chop and changing you, you, you've still seen them you know, obviously with Hadji being out you know, they are lacking a, another creative sort of influence at the top end of the pitch so um, I think Scott's right you know, if you can get you know, this is a huge month and they're going to be playing, you know, week after week, game, game after game. Not much time to re- recover. You, you're not needing, you know, you, you can probably even say, Aaron Ramsey, we don't even need you to train. We just need you to, you know, yep. play, play, play three games. Give us an hour on each, each of the three games, yeah, and, and and do what you can in that time. And you know, that might just be enough to get them across the line. But you know, it's going to be a big ask because it really, you know, as much as we're sitting here raving about his performance on Sunday. It's Dundee, the bottom of the table. Yeah. I guess the team that they strolled past yeah. well, a, a patchwork team the week before. So, um, you know, I would think that they need to really see him doing what he was doing against Dundee, but against the sort of the, the, the tougher, the harder opposition. Let's see him do that in Europe. Let's see him do that in no firm game. Then we can really decide yeah. whether or not his move has been worthwhile or not. And he's away, he's, he's away with Wales just now, so those couple of games, that'll probably help a bit, you know, if he gets a couple more yeah. games under his belt. Um, but listen, he plays 90 minutes for Wales. Yeah, he's, he's not managed that for Rangers so far. That'll, that'll, I'm sure that'll cause uh, some consternation. Well, they, they'll probably, they'll probably, yeah, yeah they, they'll try and get 90 out of them for the World Cup game, surely. But then, no, they've obviously, they'll have a friendly on the, the Tuesday. I mean, I'd be surprised if he played too big a part in that but I agree with Gav for Rangers point of view you probably want them to get two two lengthy uh, spells on the pitch in both, both games because I think if as long as he stays injury free he'll come back to Rangers better for it yeah listen you named um, you, you, between you there you probably you named a large chunk of the team but I was going, one guy I was going to ask you about but what I'll do instead of instead of that was just say we can just pick the team uh, that you think should Play against Celtic. I was going to ask you about Ruth. I mean, obviously, I mean, he's making such an impact. Can, can he afford not to start? Um, but you had Jack Ramsey, Lundstrom, Aribo, obviously Morelos, presumably Ken. Yeah. Tavernier. Now, what about Halander? A few critics. What do you think? Is he? Is he quite? He's not back. Is he? I, I don't think he's quite looked. Yeah. I, I don't think he was helped by the pitch on yeah. Sunday at Dens. Nobody was helped by the pitch, but. Thought he looked particularly cumbersome on it. Um, I think, I think it, helped, it helped Rangers to put Lundstrom back in there, have another ball player in there, and it allowed them to progress up the pitch quicker. Um, I still think Halander in his day is probably Rangers' best sort of siege defender. Yeah, you know? Probably at his best, yeah. But I also don't think he's been anywhere near the player he was since his injury. I think he still looks a bit off it. Um, Balligan, 
who's had ups and downs, but has actually looked very good since he came back into the team since since uh, after his own after Cup of Nations. So I would think in terms of I would, yeah, I'd go and uh, and Golton at centre back, and I think I would go with Bassey. Left back, I think Barrison, she's dropped just miles out of the picture. I just think uh, Bassey looks better and better every game. Where, okay. You know, Barrison has, has gone backwards. So it's McGregor, Tavernier, Golton, Balogun, Bassey, Jack, Ramsey, Lundstrom, Aribo, Morelos, and Kent. Is that the team? That would be my starting yeah. eleven against. And no roof then. Unlucky to miss out then. Roof, uh, given he's, is he just yeah. an impact player? No, I wouldn't say. I mean, he's a wee bit unlucky. I think he has looked sharp when he's mm-hmm. gone uh, recently, and he certainly made an impact um, against Dundee uh, last week. But I mean, he started the last Old Firm game. I know it was a nightmare game for every Rangers player, but he started the last Old Firm game up front himself at Parkhead and it didn't it didn't work out. I think he's a decent guy now to have is that that impact player. I'm not saying he shouldn't start again between now and the end of the season, but he's I don't think he's at a level where he's knocking Morelos out for the, the kind of lone striker role. Um and as Andy said, I just think against Celtic I think Aribo's been bang off for him. I, I totally agree. I mean I don't think he's kicked a ball since African Nace. I think most Rangers fans would agree with that. However, no, in that system, I think against a good team at Celtic are a game that means so much, so much at stake. I think Aribo on the right of that kind of front three just gives you a wee bit more security if you need to kind of tighten up and um, you know, be a bit more compact and, and leave, leave Kent and Morelos up. Um, so I think for the Celtic game, I'd, I'd probably go with Aribo, even as I say, I think he's been he's been right off it. Uh, I think Sakala and Roof for instance, would be able to stake a claim for getting a because they've both had pretty good impacts to the bench, but I think I think Van Bronckhurst would always go with Aribo uh, to start. It's strange how for oh, I say for so long, but there was a there was a period there where Van Bronckhurst was criticised for not making enough changes, and then now you look at the changes he has made. I mean, Roof in particular, yeah. Aberdeen comes on and scores changes he made at the break at Dens Park helped. <laughs> yeah, I deserved a lot of credit. It then's because, no, even aside for the changes at half time, which I think had to be made because they were, I thought they were so poor, uh, so laboured in the first first half. Um, but even more so, I think the changes after that, where you no, know, he realised what, what was at stake. I mean, it was all it was a bit old fashioned almost getting to what when he was just throwing attacking players on no, when he throws roof on he got front we're just desperate for that that goal I think I don't know what Andy thinks but I think that's maybe the difference between him and Gerard. I don't think Gerard would have done that it was all very with substitutions like for like and pretty methodical and nobody got out of shape nobody got out of the system they believed in just keep playing 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 and something would would fall I think Van Bronckhurst was actually the opposite on Sunday and just knew what was at stake knew they were up against it and had to go for it and just started throwing throwing bodies on and it, and it worked for him even throwing Goldson up front towards the end and he, and he gets the goal yeah, well, I, how, I, think, I think it's time under Gerard Rangers became a bit predictable because you always knew they were just going to play 4-3-3 whereas even the, even the fact that Van Bronckhurst at times is, is prepared to go to three in the back and chuck another body into midfield I think just adds a new di- dimension to Rangers that even you know foreign teams if they've done their scouting, you know, all they really will have seen of Rangers the last couple of years is 4-3-3. So even that just gives you another 
another surprise factor. So yeah, I think it's it's well worth doing. And it's so far, generally speaking, it's worked for Van Broncos. Obviously, there's been a few games in the league where they've slipped up, but I think in those games it doesn't really matter what formation you're playing. If you're you know if you're camped in and uh, you're playing with ten guys behind the ball, you know, and you're just trying to swarm over somebody. There's there's never room to play. It's not about formation. Yeah. It's about desire and getting the getting the job done. Yeah, I mean, how big psychologically? Because I mean, even as much even a psychological blow to Celtic that Goldson goal. Because you know, let's face it, if he doesn't score, many people will say, "Well, that's it." I mean, the league is done, and then it just changes it, doesn't it? Going into the game, it just even psychologically, do you think? You know, Celtic are thinking the same. You know, if, if Rangers don't get this winner here, we're going to Ibrooks. You know, they could they could just inflict a fatal wound in their title hopes, and then suddenly it changes the dynamic. I think it's probably more in the fans' eyes, Gav, rather than players. I mean, I don't, yeah. I, don't I don't think it would affect psychologically the Celtic players too much. Um, you know, players no, and managers. I know Ange Postecoglou says they'll be watching Sing too, but you don't, you're telling me players wouldn't be, that they aren't glued to that and they see the clock. No, I think, I, no, I think they would have done, but I just, I don't know if it, if it changes Celtic's mindset that much going to, going to Ibrox. I think it's more for Rangers players. I think just, I think you're right. Listen, putting too fine a point, I think if Goldson doesn't score, the league pretty much is gone. Um, if they'd have dropped two more, two more points, the, the way Celtic are going at the minute. So, I think psychologically, just for Rangers in terms of just giving them that that belief, you no, know, that kind of strengthening of of character, knowing that even when they're up against it, even when they've not played well for you no know, for forty five minutes minimum, they can still drag it out on a horrible pitch, mm-hmm. you no know, no great conditions against a team camped in. I, I think that. Does so much for your confidence, your resilience, yeah. or your belief. Getting that, getting that late, late goal. No, you just when you get moments like that, it just makes you feel you no know, invincible. It makes you feel that it's going to be your, it's going to be your title, and you can go and you can go and do it. So that's a massive boost for them. Obviously, going into the going into the old firm game because, as you say, the flip side of that for the Rangers players and supporters just wouldn't have been worth worth thinking about. Yeah, and Andy. It's, Celtic have accepted, we now know that they've accepted their way allocation. It'll be the first time Celtic fans have been at Ibrox since September 2019, is that right? Seems forever. Um, are you pleased at that, 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 that away fans are back in some numbers? Yeah, definitely, because I think it starts to then resemble something like our own fun game that we've all sort of grown up with. I mean, I was at the, the game at Celtic Park um, back in when was that February. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. And you know, I just I, in those circumstances, I find it hard to believe that an away team can ever sort of win in, in those environments. Just because it, I mean, you know, it was you walked out and you know Celtic they had the light show on, they they plunged Rangers into darkness, and the place uh-huh. was just going to be mental. And I just think in those circumstances, it just makes it so hard to to overcome the crowd. The crowd become they almost took the ball into the net, and it just felt like that. Rangers were in an absolutely, you know, lost position. So I think for the, the fixture to at least give it that competitive balance, to at least have an away support. I, I mean, I've been at a couple of the ones where there's only been the 700. Again, you can barely hear them, but I think from the players' point of view, when you're looking for that wee bit of feedback, if yeah. you're in a team and you're just wanting that, you know, if you run for a tackle, if you if you win a challenge, if you have a shot and you just want that, you know, 
verbal feedback from the supporters just giving that wee adrenaline boost. I think it's important, but that, that game in February, there was none of that for Rangers, and you just knew they were up against it. It was just felt like it was a, a, a lost cause even before a game was kicked, uh, the ball was kicked. So um, I think at least you, you'll have something resembling an old firm atmosphere, which I think is you know what, what we all what we all th- uh, enjoy and what makes these games so special. Yeah, just finally, while we've been on talking here, it's just been announced that uh, Jermaine Defoe has retired in an illustrious career, uh, three years of it, uh, so 22 years, and three of those, of course, spent at, uh, at Ibrooks here recently before he left, just in uh, January. Uh, last club was Sunderland there. Just a word on what he brought to Rangers during his time there, even if not not always. Not just his influence on the park, but off it, which was highlighted often by Stephen Gerrard and others, you know, players that he brought through. Well, I think we'll, we'll never really know the kind of impact he had behind the scenes, but I think it's safe to say guys like Morelos and others you know, will have improved uh, just for training and working with Jermaine before and playing with him because... I mean, he's a phenomenal, or he's been a phenomenal finisher in his career. That's the one thing I don't know. People talk about his professionalism and all that, which I don't, I don't doubt. But in terms of just what he gives you on the pitch, it's just an instinctive finisher. And even, even in a bit part role for Rangers over those kind of two years, a largely a bit part role. Every time, you no, know, he stepped on the pitch, I think he offers Rangers something. And listen, scored some big goals. You no, know, away at Pretoria, home to Celtic, the old Firm game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, played his part in winning the you know, one of the most important titles in their in their history. So, you no, know, had a real impact at Rangers in that that short spell. I think Rangers were good for him. He was good for Rangers. Um, obviously, you know, you'd have loved to have seen him at Ibrox. Loved to have seen him in Scottish football when he was really at his at his peak. Um, no, probably, which was at Spurs down down south. But you know, for what he gave Rangers in those two years, I think it was. I think people look back on it as a as a terrific signing, as you say, both on the pitch in terms of what he gave them, but also off it. Because I think if you ever get the, the chance to ask your, you know, your Morelos or your no Kamar Roofs, even the younger ones that, that are there at the time, I think they would all say that um, Defoe had a real positive impact on them. And actually, you're right, it worked both ways, because I see that he's actually saying that uh, the Rangers title win was the highlight of his career. So it just goes to show when you think of World Cups and, you know, play the Spurs and big big nights and Champions League nights, but, but winning the league with Rangers was a highlight for him. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think with Scott's right, especially about the bit about Morelos, I mean, I'm just writing a piece for tomorrow's paper and that this now, just saying that, you know, I think if you... Look back when he arrived, Morelos was in that real sort of dark period where he was just getting sent off every time. I think it was seven, seven red cards that first season, and since then it's it's been one red card. And I think that's been the big thing that sort of rubbed off in Morelos. And yeah, and just going to what you're saying there. I mean, you saw what it meant to him when he scored that goal against Celtic last season. It was, um, you know, it's something that was uh, one of these sort of bucket list moments. He'd been he'd been dying to sort of. Take that off ever since he came up here. It took him a wee while. I think we started maybe one old firm game, uh, but to, to get that goal meant so much to him. And obviously the, the winners' medal as well. I mean, I think it's incredible to think for a guy who's achieved so much for the goals he scored, the volume, the, the, the teams that he's played for. That I think 
the only winner's medal he had was, was Spurs when I don't even think he played in the final League Cup winner's medal. I think that might have been right. So for him, this for last season, it'd be the first time he, he sort of earned a winner's medal uh, proper. Um, would be as remarkable. And I think he said before, you know, he wishes he'd come up here earlier. So um, you know, it's 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 always sad to see players like that hang up their boots. But you know, he can he can certainly sort of hold his head high with everything he's achieved in that sort of fantastic career he's and, had. And that goal, just when it came up on online there, I mean, I just watched the, the Livingston goal again, you know, that he scored at Ibrox. I mean, such a pity. I know everybody watched it on TV, obviously, but such a pity there was no fans there because, I mean, yeah. what, what, what I don't know, did that get goal, Rangers goal of the season maybe at one time? Or, but, I mean, the ball for Tavernier, yeah. finish, I mean, so underestimated, understated, but what a finish. I mean that that if anything summed up the foe's class, I think it was that it was that finish. I think people look back in that goal, you know, even though as I say it's an empty stadium and it's against Livingston, people look back in that goal years to come and just just marvel at it. It was it was brilliant. I was just trying to see where you were on. I was just trying to find out because I thought it was his three hundredth goal as well, which is a pretty is that right? The 300th club goal, so it was a pretty special way to mark that. Um, I was at that game and it was, you know, it was one of these ones that's dropping out of the sky and you're waiting for him to sort of, yeah. you know, trap it and do that wee spin he does when he rolls in a defender, but he just nonchalantly just knocked it in the bottom corner. It was just, like, wa- just watch the keeper, and I watched that again this morning, it's probably the first time I kind of looked at the keeper's reaction. The keeper just looks as if to say, what you mate, what you mate today with that? I mean, that's just totally unexpected, absolutely no chance you get near it. It's, it was phenomenal. I was just trying to find out there if it got goal this season. I, I couldn't find it, but as, as I was searching, I suddenly came across the key my roof one and thought, well, it wasn't a bad one to be on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it, was, it was only came my roof from the halfway line. Don't, don't back to the halfway line, eh? <laughs> Right. Okay, brilliant. Okay, guys, thanks a lot for uh, your time again today. I really appreciate that. And um, well, we'll speak again next week, I'm sure. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye.